Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning and happy Easter to all of you. It's good to see you all here this morning. We are grateful to have a time in our calendars where we remember, where we celebrate, where we acknowledge our faith in such a powerful way. And thank you for being a part of it this morning. Let's give it up for the band. They did such a great job. Thank you guys for putting the time, the effort. It sounded wonderful. It was very stirring. I appreciate all the practice and learning of songs. It is much appreciated. Let's pause once again and pray before uh, we move forward this morning. Lord, we are grateful to be here. We are grateful to celebrate this day and acknowledge Lord life, acknowledge your life and that the life you give uh, is life in abundance. And I pray this morning that our hearts would be Stirred, I pray that we would be moved, Father, to be closer to you, to hear your voice, and to allow you to speak into our souls and change us, Lord. Each of us needs continuing work, and I pray that that work would take place in this time that we have set aside, and we do ask it in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I'm going to be talking about East meets West. I'm going to talk about the game Solitaire. High school retreats and Amazon.com. It's a problem I have. Uh, this week I was listening to a podcast. I was driving out to one of my lessons in Woodland Hills and it was in the morning. I had about an hour and a half to get there and about two hours to get back. And so I was listening to a podcast and on the podcast, it was a podcast called uh, Homebrewed Christianity. And a gentleman by John Sexton was talking about his travels in the East. And as he and his wife and some others were traveling in the East, they became aware of different paintings that were on the church walls, different murals. And what they noticed was very something very striking different than what was taking place in the Western churches and synagogues or, or cathedrals that were there. We're not the synagogues. Uh, but anyway, one of the things that he noticed is that in all the Eastern portraits of the resurrection of Christ, there was two figures that were with Christ, and these were representative of Adam and Eve. As opposed to the Western picture of Christ, he is notably white, and I thought that was funny, and he's alone. In other words, he's not there with 
Adam and Eve. And you're thinking, well, you know, my Bible, when I read it, I don't see Adam and Eve there. But his point was the depiction that is taking place in the resurrection in the Eastern artwork is actually more consistent with the meaning that is there in the New Testament. In other words, Christ rose from the grave, but he rose for a reason, and the reason was to rescue humanity that it's represented by Adam and Eve. Of course, Adam and Eve weren't literally there, but the whole point is what is the purpose of resurrection? It wasn't that Jesus just rose for himself. He rose for humanity. And what does that mean and what does that look like? We've been talking for the past few weeks as we've been talking about the revolution, what the cross represented. We saw that death was overcome and resurrection is the proof of that. We saw that Forgiveness is the evidence that sin has been defeated. And for us to live and walk in this, there has to be a newness of life in us as well. And so what we want to do is look at how resurrection affects humanity. How does it affect me? How does it affect you? And so that's what we're going to be looking at in The beginning in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, after Christ has been risen, he appears to the disciples right before the ascension, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what we need to recognize is that this is a plural statement that the word you is not singular, even as shown by the word witnesses. It's dealing with all of those who were there. And we have made our faith very personal. We have made faith something that's just between me and God. And it is personal, but it's meant to have an impact with others. And it's meant to be shared. We also see from Jesus' statement that his starting point is an entire city. It's not just, and you will be witnesses to Joe when you go back home for breakfast. No, it was to the entire city. It was to Jerusalem and then to the regions, Judea, Samaria, and eventually to the uttermost parts of the world. And you see, when we take our faith and make it very personal, then it's just something that we start to make smaller. We start to make it more limited. And from the beginning, it was meant to be something that is shared, something that we do and live together. And it's important that we recognize that. How many of you remember the game Solitaire on your computer, right? Some of you still play that? I mean, I I just like seeing all those, you know, cards go. It was like you just had this feeling of satisfaction. I won and all the cards go and it went real fast. And it was like, no, slow down. I want to enjoy this moment. But you see, solitaire is something you just play by yourself. But faith is not something you live by yourself. Faith is something that you live in community with others. And it's important to recognize that that life is something we are to live. This life that God gives is something that we are to share with one another and with others. And so we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You can turn with me there. 
or you can follow along at the, on the screen here. And it starts off, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It starts off, Paul, Silas, Timothy. Now, if you are familiar with Paul at all, you know that he is kind of the prime character of the New Testament. That Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament. In fact, some people say that Paul is the reason for Christianity that it took off. I think it was Jesus, actually, but I understand what they're saying, right? Paul was the the force that spread this news about Jesus to the world. But here we don't see Paul by himself. We see that he's with Silas and Timothy, that Paul himself was connected to other people. And throughout these verses here, we thank God for all of you. It's not just for some of you. I thank God for you who are in the leadership at the church in Thessalonica. I thank God for you who, you know, tie the lot at the church of Thessalonica. It's thank God for all of you. Because all of them are considered a part of what God is doing. And it's important to recognize this, that it is moving us into this place where it connects us to each other. And so many times we miss that. How many of you have a daily Bible verse or, you know, a a promise that you every day get a text sent to you, right? Or you pull something from the, used to be like a little loaf of bread, your daily bread. They have all these little things. And you'll get a scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts, you know, that are of hope and of peace for a hope and a future. Something like that. I totally misquoted that. But anyway, you get that and you think, yes, that's my verse. That, that's mine today. I own that. Or what about Romans 8, 28? All things work together for the good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Yes, that's mine. But you see... Jeremiah is speaking to all of those who were in exile at that time. It wasn't speaking just to one person. It was speaking to a community. It was giving hope to a community of people that they should trust that God is with them there in exile. And Romans 8.28 starts off with, we know that all things. You see, these promises are meant to be taken in a collective way, not in a personal way. These are collective promises. Scripture cannot be read first from the me. It must be read first from the we. And we have a way of holding on to things and not actually sharing. My grandson is having a problem with that too. And, and maybe we need to stop, step into the community before we step into the promises. Maybe we need to step into the understanding that this is us together before we start going and claiming things. We have to understand that this is something that belongs to all of us and not just to individuals. 
Because if we don't recognize that, what happens is a lot of people are being left on the sidelines that are needed in participation. Because God is doing something powerful. He is starting a revolution. It started in Jerusalem, and then it spread to Judea, Samaria, and throughout the earth, and it is continuing to this day. And to continue this tremendous work, we cannot do it with people missing. You know how it is when someone on the team is injured, like your number one hitter who broke his wrist. Dodger fans. Uh, you miss that bat, you, you, especially the first game when you really could have used it. Sorry, just a moment of grief. <laughs> you miss that participation because that person matters. And the same thing is true in the church because resurrection is just the beginning. It was the start of what he was doing. And it wasn't meant to be an individual act. God was pulling humanity to life through Christ. And that's you and I. That's us. We are connected to this in a very powerful way. And then it says to the church of the Thessalonians, church of the city, all of you who are part of this church in this city, they may have met at different homes. It might not have been just one place because they didn't have buildings, but they would meet in different homes. But then this letter would be handed out and read at this home and then passed and shared with this home. And they were all included in this. It wasn't just you who are Baptist or you who are the non-denominational or whoever it is. It was to all those who belong to this new life in Christ. This is for you. And really the city belongs to you. Our faith is produce something, work that benefits the city around us. We should be proof of life, proof of hope. We should be examples of love to our community because this city, whether it would be Thessalonica or whether it be Upland or whether it be Rancho or Claremont, these cities are yours. They're your homes. They belong to us, to you. And we are to be examples. What does hope look like? What does love look like? Is there maybe a need for example of love in our society today? Maybe. What does that look like? Well, you show them by how you live, by how you act, by how you care for one another. When the church is here, the community should be better. It should elevate things, not make things worse. He says, your labor prompted by love. What is the reason you do what you do? It is our second foundational statement. Our statements are the church or witness mission is why the church exists. And then it's love is the context for all mission. 
The reason we do what we do is because love motivates us to do this. And our labor is to be prompted by love. A work that carries his name as Christian must carry his character. And that's where so many times we found things missing. We see people who use the name of Christ, but don't carry the character of Christ. And now it puts a bad taste in people's mouth. I remember that person who talked this way to my friends. I can remember my grandfather having a conversation with me when I became a person of faith and I started talking to him about my faith. And he says, I remember a time I invited, it was a priest at that time, into my home. And he started bad-mouthing these Jews who lived in the neighborhood and I kicked him out of my house. He wasn't a person of faith, but even to him, that did not sit right. How dare you come into my house and start belittling my neighbors who you do not know? See, if we carry the name of Christ, we have to carry his character. It is how we move forward. And so many of us have been hurt or wounded by the church. It's affected me. I know it's affected many of you. I know many of you are here and you didn't want to go to church, but here felt safe from the wounds that you had received. When our twins were born, Corrine and mine, I was there for the delivery, but the next day I had, I was forced to go to a high school retreat. And left my wife alone in the hospital. She had a dinner, a celebration dinner, without her husband there. Her sister came gratefully and sat down. And where was I? I was up in the mountain with a bunch of high school kids. Most of them I didn't even know because parents would always send their kids off to retreat and say, well, I hope they get something from there. And I wouldn't even know these kids. And there was about 80 kids there who I spent the weekend with while my wife and my two newborn sons were down in Pasadena. And I was like a zombie. I couldn't even think. It's like, I shouldn't be here, but I had to go if I wanted to keep my job because I worked at a church. I was on a vacation for a weekend with my family. And the pastor called me and said, I need you to come down and do music worship for the prayer meeting. And I said, well, I'm on vacation. This is my vacation weekend. He says, well, I want you to be here to sing three songs. I said, well, I can get someone else to cover. No, I want you to be there. I guess I'm supposed to be, oh, thank you. You want me. But he said, I'd rather have stayed up in Big Bear with my family than drive down and spend all that time to sing three songs for, I think it was six people, two of which were the pastor and myself, and then drive back up. And those aren't even big things that have happened. I could go on, but I don't want to belabor this. I just want you to know that many have been hurt by church. Many have been wounded by people who in the name of Jesus have said things that don't look like Jesus. The truth is that it's necessary to see the work of God take place. It's going to take all of us to move forward in this character, with this heart, so that 
what has been done and what has been said in the name of Jesus is reclaimed. If you are tired of hearing things said in the name of Jesus that you know don't represent God, then your voice needs to be the voice that answers that. Then our community needs to be the community that steps into the gap and says, no, it doesn't matter who you are. God loves you, and so do we, and you are welcome here anytime. You don't have to agree with us to be with us, okay? My family doesn't agree with me most of the time, okay? My wife, never mind, she... You don't have to agree with us to be with us. You don't have to feel that you have to walk lockstep with us to be a part of our family. We want you to know that we love you and God loves you. And it was the compliment to the church that Paul saw and recognized that they were prompted by love. It was seen in them And then he says, your endurance inspired by hope. Your endurance. Boy, endurance is something that we need. Inspired by hope. We have to see it through because it's difficult sometimes. And the hope is that it will be there. When I was driving back Thursday afternoon in traffic, I don't know why it was, I didn't think it was a holiday, but man, there was a lot of cars coming back. And it was like two hours in traffic. And I'm just thinking, I can't wait to get home. I had to go to the bathroom too, but I I just couldn't wait to get home, right? It was like, oh man, the the hope of getting off the freeway, it kept me alive. (laughs) It kept me going, you know, it was like, oh man, how do I get through this? Well, there's got to be that hope that it's going to change. And you see, we are the hope of the change We are not just the leadership, not just the pastors. Everybody who's been made alive by Christ carries this hope with them, just like the church did here in Thessalonica, their endurance of hope. You guys are going through incredible persecution, but you are staying faithful and you're fighting through and it shows to those around them. In verse four of chapter one of Thessalonians, he continues And he says, for we know, again, there's the plural. We know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. Again, it's a plural. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith, listen to this, in God has become known everywhere. Something about that stirs me. When I hear that, that their faith was known everywhere. And and I love the phrase that is mentioned there, deep conviction. Eugene Peterson translates it as the spirit has put steel in your conviction. There's something solid in you that has moved through you that 
everybody now can see. Your life is an example and everybody knows about it. That makes me want to weep. That just touches my heart. And I think that's supposed to be us. That, that's what it looks like to be the church. That is what's needed more than anything is an example to the community around us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us. All that we can ask or think. God can do more than we can ask or imagine, but maybe we've stopped asking. Maybe we've stopped imagining. Maybe our faith has become just about me and God. Maybe it's no longer about what Christ has done to bring life into all of us who believe. And so we stopped asking for God to conquer a city by love. We stopped asking or imagining what God can do to our entire area if we would just believe. And we think, well, it's just too much. It's too big for us. I mean, we're a small community. Remember, there's only one church in Upland. Oh, yeah, they meet in different places at different times. But there's only one church. And maybe we're thinking too small. Maybe we are limiting ourselves and what God can and wants to do in us. I was thinking about Amazon. Amazon, when it started, can you imagine? This is Jeff Bezos when Amazon was just starting. Do you remember when all they did was send out books? And they were actually books. They weren't, you know... Something that you can get on a Kindle. Kindle was not even imagined. But what Jeff did is he kept reinventing Amazon to meet the needs that kept happening. So that pretty soon Amazon didn't just sell books, but they actually started being able to transmit books electronically through the Kindle, the first Kindles. Remember those? I had one. I was so excited. But then they branched out. They didn't just do that. They started selling other things. And now you can buy everything on Amazon. How many of um, have Amazon Prime? Just Isn't that the worst thing in the world? <laughs> it's like, well, I could go to the store and buy it, or I could just have them bring it to me with Amazon Prime. I, I'll find things and I'll say, I need that. And I got this list of wish things I have that I know I have to put them there and not just press one click, right? Because if you do that, it's, oh, I've got this, you know, bathroom strainer to get hair that I've got to order because I need it. Our house needs, there's eight people living in our house. Five of them are female, okay? And I'm spending a lot of money on drain cleaner and I need this strainer. And what happened to just books became something that changed because 
he saw and imagined more. What would happen if we would see and imagine what it would take for this city to come alive in love and in hope, for people to recognize that they are forgiven, that all the garbage that holds us down can be dealt with, that God can bring restoration to people, to marriages, to families, to people who've been devastated by so many things, so many people who are struggling, even today, who wanted to be here and had invited family to be here for the first time and then got sick and are struggling just to try and live healthy. What would happen if we as a community filled the gaps to all those hurts? And I know it is happening in so many ways, but a few people can't do it for everybody. It takes all of us to actually step into this and to stop the church and start being the church. If life is going to spring up within us, it has to be all of us. We have to be a participant of the life that God has done through Christ and has given to us. You see, I didn't want to just talk about the resurrection this morning. I didn't want to just talk about Jesus being alive. And I really am not here to try and prove that Jesus is alive to any of you. What I want is for you to experience the life of Jesus and I'll let him fill in the gaps. What I want to do is see the life of God touch the people around us through this community. And I'll let God explain the rest. Because love does more to explain truth than words ever could. And if we are going to live this life, then we have to be as the church in Thessalonica. We have to be a model. We have to be an example of what it is to believe, what it is to live in this life. And how does our faith in God become known? It's lived. It's lived in the difficulties of our struggles. It is lived in the problems of our society. It is lived as we get together and we sing and we rejoice and we worship God because it is our way of connecting to our Heavenly Father. It is our way of being close and intimate. Jesus said that he had come to that we might have life and have it to the full. See, the only proof of life after death is life before death. And if we have been raised with Christ, then let it change. Let it make alive our bodies now. Let it push us into the work that God is doing So that it can be seen in our love, in our care. That we can have a a determination, a steadfastness within us. I don't know if that's a real word, steadfastness. But you know what I mean. That we could have steel within our souls that is moved towards the character of God. That people can cling to, not because they cling to us. Because we are clinging on to the one who has raised us up. With Christ. See, I, I love 
picture of Jesus holding Adam and Eve because they're all limp wrist and just kind of, well, they've been dead a long time, right? So they're just kind of sitting there and it's Christ who's grabbing them and pulling them up. It took Christ to grab my life. And I remember what it was like before I had a faith that was alive. I remember staying awake at night, staring at the ceiling, and fear would grip my soul, wondering, what is this about? When I die, is that it? And I know many people in life and death situations have come to those awarenesses where we say, what is going on here? I don't feel alive even though I'm living. I'm existing, but I'm not alive. And suddenly, life shines its way into the depths of our soul and it changes everything. It changes everything. And you see, I'm doing what I'm doing, not because I can't do anything else. I could actually start more of a business with dog training. I could do a a board and train, but I don't want to do that. I want to do this because this is what means the most to me. Is trying to get people to see and start that conversation with God. To see their lives come alive. To see them touched. Just as I was touched. Just as you were touched. Just as we have been touched. And, and so now it is being thrown out to all of us. Will you be the example of life? to the city you live in? Will you be the example of life that changes the character of our community? And if that seems too big for you, it is. That's why it needs all of you, not just some of you. And this morning... I'm throwing this out, you know, I, because of how I have been wounded by church, because of the things that have happened to me and the obligations that were put on me, I am fearful to put that on anybody. I don't want to put a burden on you like was put on me. But I pray that you carry the burden that I carry. I pray that we all carry the burden that the church in Thessalonica carried, that even though through suffering and persecution, they steadfastly showed the love of Christ to those around them. You know, I've said it before, the church in that first century did so much that people would have to stop and take note. Many in the Roman Empire, if they didn't want a child, especially the husband, if it was a female and they didn't want the female, they would just discard the baby. And they would leave the baby on the side of the road somewhere to die. And what happened is Christians started coming and taking those children and raising them as their own family. 
And so now the children of these people were being raised by people and loved by people who had a faith in God and didn't have the means to support these people, but had the love. And somehow as a community, they took care of each other and it began to grow and they could not stop. But notice what we discard, they take and they make family. That's what we do. What this world discards, we take and we say, you belong here. You are loved by God. You are my brother. You are my sister. You are my family. I will take you in and make you my own family. That's what God does. That's what he did to me. That's what we do to others. What would happen if we truly did that? How could the world resist God's love when it is seen in such ways? How do we break down the walls and the misconception, the the bad character that has been represented and make it something new? And we need to try. So if we're done going to church and we want to start being church, we want to start doing what we are supposed to do, let's do what only the church can do. Let's be a light to this world. Let's bring a hope and a love and compassion that comes from God, flows through us, and changes the world. Let's stop the divisiveness that is in our country because of politics, and let's let's let love determine how we treat one another and not our political reference. Let's not let the news tell us how we are to behave. Let's let the love of Christ compel us to care for those, to love even our enemies. Let's be an example. And you see, to do this, it's going to take all of us. Ben had mentioned that next Sunday after our gathering here, we're going to meet at the Genesis building and we're going to talk about some ideas that we have. We're looking to move forward on a building on 2nd Avenue. It's 10,000 square feet. It is way more than we can deal with. It's bigger than we need, but we want to do other things with it. We want to divide it up and do some things with a workspace, a co-op workspace. We want to maybe start a school for adult children with special needs. We want to maybe start a school for uh, musicians and artists. We want to do some other things that brings community together as well as our place of community. See, we don't want to be other than, we want to be with all of these things. And we are welcoming your ideas. We want your input. We want your labor of love in this. Because it's going to take all of us if we're going to step into this. I'm getting old. Don't laugh. We started Genesis. This is going to be our 10th year on an Easter It's going to happen in the next 10 years. But all I know is I'm not done yet. I have more vision in me. I'm not content with who I am and what we are doing. And we've done a lot. But I know we can do more. 
I want to do more. My life belongs to this cause. And I'm inviting you to be a part of it in some way. I'm not going to force anyone. I'm not going to put constraints on anybody. It has to be willful that you step into those things. But you see, we have people who are committed, who, who care about what God is doing and want to help you. Last night, We need to be praying for Beth's mom. She had to take care of her last night and things that are going on. But she also came here this morning and put the flowers up and put out the food that you could enjoy and set up the coffee and then went back to take care of her mom. She did that. Many of you know Beth. Ladies, you've been through the things that she's done, the different, you know, drawing on truth. And it's just incredible. Well, she does that as well as come here and set up and do all these things. You see, she does that. She would love to do more, but she is limited because she's only one person. She can only do so much. But wouldn't you love to see her do more with how good of what she does is? Wouldn't you like to see those things happen? Well, that's where we step in and we come alongside and we participate in and we also make these things happen. There's so much we could do. So much good we could do. Do we want to? And the challenge here is if we have been made alive with Christ, then what is said about the church in Thessalonica needs to be said about us. That we would stand in the same place that they did. That our work produced by faith, our labor prompted by love, And our endurance inspired by hope in the risen Lord is what moves us to do and to be like him. So I am asking, do you want to be church? Do you want to be the church that is the light to this world? If so, then live in the life that Christ has raised and pulled us up into. Let's pray. Father, I am constantly being challenged by you to live in a way that reflects who you are. And Lord, I am constantly struggling with how much time I have and how much effort I can give But my soul keeps crying out for more of you. And I find that when I give myself to you, I am filled in return. Lord, I pray that all of us here would be prompted by your spirit, would be moved into a place where we take our position with the risen Lord, and that your words to be your witnesses, to be your example in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth would be words to us that we would be your witnesses here in Upland, in Rancho, Claremont, Altaloma, Pomona, Ontario, to the rest of this world. Lord, we are doing work in Haiti. We're doing work in Mexico. Lord, we need to do more work here. 
And, and I pray, Lord, that as we move together, that work can be seen. And I pray you give me and our leadership wisdom of how we can best help that work take place. But Lord, what first needs to take place is we need to move from a a me mentality to a we mentality. We need to recognize that your promises are our promises. That before we can claim them as our own, we have to claim them as a community. And I pray we would do so, Lord, with your character, with your grace, with your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May the character of Christ compel you to be the example of his love to the world around us. May we take hold of the life that has taken hold of us. And may we together live it out. God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. Enjoy your family. Hope to see you next Sunday. God bless. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.